Thanks, you guys. Well, good morning. Here we are. Are you ready for more snow? You know, you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. That's good stuff. Yeah, there's a slide again for you. Yeah, someone tagged me on, on Facebook and that, and uh, they were thinking of us because they don't live here, and uh, they saw how much snow we were getting. But it's not like the old days, right? It, it's like this is kind of mild compared to the old days. Non-drought days. It's pretty crazy. We just forgot, right? We just forgot. All right. Well, I'm glad you plowed through your berm and, and made it here today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, if you turn there in your Bible with me. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Sermon title today is Gone Fishing. Because I wish I was fishing, man. <laughs> I wish I was in sunny skies and warm weather, right? On the boat, catching a bass. No? Yeah. You like the snow? No, I know. There's a, there's a, snow was beautiful. Today, as, as the uh, snow kind of stopped and we were plowing and clearing the parking lot here and the sun started coming out on the tops of the trees, it was, just, it was just beautiful. It was just the wonder and glory of God. It was amazing. But there are days we wish and times we wish when our backs ache and we're exhausted and we have another storm morning coming in that we wish we had gone fishing or we were, we were fishing. Um, I love to fish. I, I love to bass fish. It, it's, I did buy a boat several years ago. I, and I have one. Uh, if anyone wants a bass boat, let me know. I'll, I'll sell one to you. I, I still love fishing. It's just a lot of work and upkeep. And uh, it, just, it just takes a lot. It's, a, it's an expensive, tough hobby. So I like to go with people who enjoy the expensive hobby now. So that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do. But uh, one of the things that, that Stan had, I think Stan had this on his, on his door at the office. He, he had a sign he could hang on the, on the door knob. It said, gone fishing, right? Because he liked to fish, but, he, but it was something different, right? It was gone fishing for men. And that's, a, that's a, kind of a slogan. People have taken the gone fishing idea and, and said, let's, let's make it more about, you know, Jesus and, as far as Christians go. And we'll say we've gone fishing for men. And I actually bought a bumper sticker to put on my boat trailer that says gone fishing for men. And, uh, and that's a perspective that you and I ought to have, that, we, that Jesus wants us to be uh, fishers of men. Jesus calls his fishermen, or his fishermen, his followers, to be fishermen, to fish for men. So we're going to look at that today and see what that entails, and just see really simply what that looks like for you and I. And it really, it came to me for me, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I knew there was storm after storm coming in. I knew we would probably have a, a small turnout today. So we wanted to start Nehemiah one week late, just to let everyone kind of catch up. But, but as I went through the week, there were several opportunities, I, I hope for you as well, that I got to have spiritual conversations. I got to interact with people on a level um, through compassion that was just amazing. I, I, I really loved it. There were times I was a little frustrated, though. There were times because I, I, I want to work on my sermon series. I need to be at the office. I need to be doing this. I don't have time for this. And, and God just reminded me, Brandon, you, you preach the gospel. You teach the gospel. You love the gospel. Now go be the gospel. Go be the hands and feet of Jesus to people that need the hands and feet of Jesus. It's, it's about people, right? Jesus is about people. And we ought to be, as his followers, about people as well. So we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 1 pretty quick. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started, okay? Father, you are such a great God. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to worship here, to celebrate who you are, to, to celebrate the resurrection as, as Christ conquered Satan, sin, and death once and for all. We are so, so grateful for that. There's a hope that we have that's beyond being stuck at home from a snowstorm, from any loss we could ever experience, from any tragedy in the world. There is a hope in Jesus Christ. And it's in his glorious name we pray. Amen. All right, we're looking at Mark chapter 1, 16 through 20. It says, As he, that's Jesus, was passing along the Sea of Galilee, 
he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they, uh, or they were in their boat, mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed Jesus. They followed him. Uh, great story of just reckless abandon, and there's a, there's a lot of theology behind that. We're not going to look so much at the theology of just dropping everything and going. Uh, there's a lot of backstory to that. But but for these men, and, and fishermen, I hope you appreciate this. Uh, the first set were throwing their nets into the sea, right? They're casting. They're doing their casting. The second set of brothers was what? Fixing their nets, mending their nets, and that happens all the time. You you break a line, you break a hook, you get stuck. You have to mend and make it happen all over. But these men had heard of Jesus. They knew he was in the area. They probably heard him teach before. And when Jesus came and said, "Follow me," that was the call. By the way, a rabbi would give to a student when he was qualified to come under the the leadership and and tutelage of a rabbi. See, a lot of a lot of kids at, after their bar mitzvah, they kind of like, okay, we sorted them out. You really didn't make the cut. Why don't you go into a trade? And the kids that did make the cut, the rabbi would say, follow me. And they would follow and they would continue in that uh, endeavor of, of being, a, being a rabbi, being a teacher of the word of God. So when Jesus said, follow me, they go back to their childhood and say, wow, there's something here. Jesus, Jesus is asking us now to follow me. I, I, it's not too late. Although I got picked last for dodgeball, I can still join the team. And they, they left their nets and they said, I'm going. That's what we wanted when we were 12. And now we can, can have that. But there's something about Jesus as well. So Jesus is there, and, and he, he sees him. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, or I will make you fish for men. So number one, the first point, I know you don't have sermon notes. That's okay. Put it on a scratch paper if you have it. Number one is followers fish. Followers fish. All right, we're talking about followers of the Messiah, followers of Christ, those who have put their faith and their trust and belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, that will let him apply his righteousness to them instead of counting on their own good deeds. Those of us who have trusted in faith, Jesus Christ as Messiah, and our Christians, our Christ followers, our disciples. Those of us who are disciples, our followers, and followers are to fish. Now, Jesus found these ordinary guys, and he told them, I want to make you something that you're not. I want to make you something that you're not. And, and see, for you and I, and when we approach Jesus, uh, we might say, God, would you make me better with my spouse? Would you make me better with my finances? Really help me out in that area. I need to be a better student or God, make me more organized, please. I need to be more organized in what I'm doing. Make me more patient or more loving or make me more holy, God. And those are all prayers that you and I probably have spoken and, and that we still speak. And that's okay. It's not, it's not wrong to want God to, to make us better and more faithful and more obedient and better stewards in those areas. But what Jesus said, he says, yeah, 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 I get it. I know you want to be better at those. I know you want me for those things. But here's what I want. I want to make you fish for men. So come on, let's go. I think some of us fall into this trap when we're followers of Christ that we, we don't go fishing because we haven't got the right boat, haven't got the right fishing pole, we haven't got the right line, haven't got the right tackle, we haven't got the right bait. So we're like, well, I'll go fishing later. I'll get it all figured out. And once I get it all decked out and figured out, the right chrome on the place, places that need to be there, then I'll go fishing. God's like, come here, let's go fish for men. I'll give you what you need. We, we tend to use excuses sometimes, right? When, when dealing with our friends or our family, when sharing the gospel, when, when talking about Jesus, we say, God, well, I don't have it all figured out in my life. I don't have all my finances in order yet. 
I don't, I, you know, I don't have my, my, my spouse and I are just kind of at odds sometimes. I don't, I don't always, I'm not always good there. Sometimes I speed going down the highway, God. You don't want a speeder. God's like, I just want you to be a follower who fishes. See, followers fish. We don't sit on the sidelines. Amen? You and I are to fish. We are to go out and be the hands and feet of Christ. We are to share the message of love and hope that is in the gospel of Christ. Does Jesus care about those things? Yes. But we, when we use those things as reasons to get stuck, we paralyze ourselves in fear and in guilt. Say, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Come on, we need help, Jesus. He says, I know. So follow me and and we'll go fishing. And as we do that, we'll learn. Uh, uh, Thinking back to my own childhood, I had some great moments of clarity and learning growing up fishing next to my dad. It wasn't that we just sat down on a bench and just talked and waited to go fishing. It was that we went to the garage, and as we were preparing to go fishing, we were talking. And as we were, we were getting the truck loaded, we were talking. As we made our sandwiches, we were talking. As we drove to the, the lake, we were talking. As we started casting, we were talking. As we were fishing, we were learning and growing and, and being in relationship with one another. See, it's an as-you-go process. It's not a once-you've-arrived thing. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? You know, the truth is that you and I will never arrive this side of heaven. Only when we get to heaven, we'll be like, oh, finally, I get it. Here, there's struggle, there's pain, there's sorrow, there's, there's things that get in the way, there's imperfection and sin. Did you know that I'm a self-centered human being? Right? And my wife is too. And, and we got married. Like two self-centered individuals got married. How does that work out? Right? Really, really carefully. <laughs> Gently, humbly, prayerfully, right? It's an as-you-go process. And as you go process, followers need to fish. And, and I want to I give you a comment here. So some people say, well, Brandon, th- that's, that's what the pastor's job is, is to go fishing. His job is to do the evangelism. I want to give you a comment here real quick, just so you understand. Uh, I read an article, and I, I, I keep up on the trends in church, uh, like in churches, what's going on. Uh, I, I look at the facts and statistics in, in churches that are dying and churches that are succeeding and doing well. And I know, I know the Holy Spirit is at work, right? I know that's, he, it's his job to maintain his church. But some things, we can do some things and have some attitudes that tend to let God say, okay, then if that's the way you are, I'm going to go deal with followers that want to fish. And here was a comment. It, it, there was a, like a list of 15 most common comments that were in, in, this, uh, in this article of churches that were dying or have di- had died. And one of them was this. People, the people in the church would say, we don't do evangelism. That's why we pay the pastor. Okay, that, that was the attitude. And that is the attitude of a dying church. Right? If it's just the pastor's role to go out and do evangelism, then we will die. Because this is a we, not an I. Amen? We are in this together. That you and I, it's you and I, both of our responsibility, all of our responsibility, to be followers who fish. Who fish. Well, and here's what we miss. We miss this, that God has the potential to take all the menial things in this life, even the ones that are kind of messed up still and I'm still trying to work out, and make them of eternal value if we meet him and let him take us fishing. See, the things in our life that we're struggling with, the, the circumstances in our life that we have are not foreign to God. God knows all about them. But he still wants us to come fishing. He still wants to use those things for his glory. He will take all the stuff between birth and death in our life and shape it so we can be perfectly positioned 
Now listen, church, God wants to perfectly position us to use our life experiences to impact someone else's life and faith. Do you believe that? And sometimes we hide in our experiences. We say, I, well, I can't share that. I don't want to talk about that. I, I'm, too, I'm too ashamed of what happened there. Did Christ help redeem you? Then it's his glory and his story overlapping yours. And, and we ought to share it and let him use it. Perfectly positioning us to help someone else, Im- impact someone else's life and faith. See, the message is proclaimed. God's, God's word through the power of his Holy Spirit is going out amongst everyone. It's the, it's the Spirit's job to convince the world of sin and truth and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit, God's, God is doing that ahead of us. He's already out there doing that. It's not, it's not something that you and I need to go, go find somebody and say, listen, did you, did you know this? And they'll be shocked and I've never understood that or heard that. Right? Some people will say, oh man, that's, that's a lot clearer now. Now I, now I kind of get it. But God is out there trying to convince people, right? Drawing men and women to himself. So his message is out there. And then what God does is he, is he orchestrates or allows a situation or circumstances in someone's life that, that they're wondering and they're asking questions. And then, then he pairs that circumstance and situation with the message that he already had with a messenger, with someone that's a follower who's fishing. Because you and I can be perfectly positioned to impact someone else's life and faith and, and in their life circumstances because you and I may be going through similar things to what they are. Or, or maybe I've been going through something that they have. How many times have you been in a position where you, you were there like, God, I know you put me in this person's life because of my past and they need to hear my story and actually they need to hear your story of what happened. And maybe even more so, you know someone else that has been vulnerable with you and shared their story and you can refer them like, oh, I've got a friend you need to talk to. Like this sounds so amazingly close to their story. I'm going to connect you. Here's their number. Let's text and make sure they can connect. And, and God positions people right, for his glory, for his kingdom. It's like an army, right? An army or or any big team in business, you have all kinds of people with all kinds of giftings, all kinds of people with all kinds of jobs. They're all doing different jobs to accomplish the same mission, though, the goal. And you and I are different. We're not all the same, and that's for the glory of God. If we were all the same, then, yeah, the pastor could do the evangelism because he has all the answers. But we're not all the same because I don't have all the answers, and you don't have all the answers. And God wants to position you in your circumstances and what's hap- what he's done in your circumstances to be in someone's life to be effective for the glory of God. He wants to connect you in that way. Listen, people crave Christ followers who are willing to fish, who are willing to relate, to build a relationship, to build a rapport. And Jesus takes something out of my life and your life and he uses it to meet someone else and draw them into a relationship with him. Think about your story. Now, I know God is the one who saves. God is the the one that's saving people. But he asked us, he says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You can be a part of this. You and I can be a part of this. Think of your, your own story. And I've said this so many times before. Think of your own story. And the person that that led you into a faith in Christ. Led you to a place where you were at the, the throne of God, humbled, and you believed the gospel. Think of that person who was faithful. How do you feel about that person? Warm? Thankful? Yeah. Are you glad that they spoke up? Are you glad that they encouraged you? Are you glad that they took the risk to share? Are you glad that they went out of their comfort zone? Are you glad that they were fishers of men? 
Are you glad? Of course we're glad. And, and we can be the part of that story for others as well. Secondly, if we want to be good fishermen, right? If we go fishing, we need to show authentic compassion. Show authentic compassion. So followers fish, and then they show authentic compassion. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to go to Matthew real quick. I'm going to flip to a different, couple different verses. Matthew 14. It's the book, Matthew, Mark, right? So right before the book of Mark. Matthew, just, just to show this compassion, uh, Matthew 14, looking at verse 14. As he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, felt compassion for them, and healed their sick. So this is Jesus feeling compassion and then doing something with that compassion. Uh, go to chapter 15, just the next page there, uh, verse 32. Now Jesus summoned his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, otherwise they might collapse on the way. Jesus saw and had compassion for people, and then he acted on that. And go back to Mark chapter 1. Let's look at verse, verse 40 and 41. <clears throat> then a man with a serious skin disease came to him and on his knees begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be, be made clean. See, God is willing, right? And, and Jesus has the heart of compassion. He sees people with eyes of compassion. Jesus was looking for a person, not a problem. And that, that's what compassion is. I, I think so often I fall into the trap of just meeting the need, meeting the need, meeting the need. Here you go, I met the need, see you later. Here you go, I met the need, see you later. Here you go, I met the need, see you later. And, and, and I'm not looking at the person that God has set right in front of me. There are times we, we need to focus not on just meeting a problem, because sometimes we can't meet all the problems, right? This, this world is full of problems. But there may be a person that we can meet, a person we could encourage, a person we could challenge even with the gospel of Christ. Sometimes we look and say, oh, there's a sinner, I'm just going to throw my Bible at him. Now, the Word of God is powerful. It's living and active. and can convince someone of the truths of God and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it should be, oh, they're a sinner, and I wonder how I could use my life to love them and to encourage them and to relate to them and to help them see the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them see the big picture of the gospel. It's the, it's the Jesus moved with compassion for you and I that he met a need, a need that we could not meet. Jesus had compassion because he, he was wanting a relationship. He had compassion because he was wanting a relationship. He really cared for people. And we really have to care as well. I, I want to talk about this thing called relational bridges. It's something that I, I stole from a guy that was teaching a class, I think, down at, in L.A. Um, it, was, it was a youth ministry class. He talked about this relational bridge idea. It it's, it's kind of helps us answer the question, how, how can I talk, should I talk, when should I talk? And, and we have to build a relational bridge with people so we can earn the opportunity and right to share with them without pushing them away from Christ, without, without turning them off from Christ. It's, it's that balance of humility and gentleness and compassion and truth. And for you and I, as, to build a relational bridge, 
it really starts with compassion. It really starts with empathy, saying, I, I get it, I understand there's trouble, I understand there's, there's hardship, I understand that your life is in shambles or whatever it might be, I, I'm, I'm listening to you. Let me listen to your story. You, know, you can build a really strong relational bridge with people if you would just listen. Just listen. So often, in five minutes' time even, if you had listened to somebody without interrupting or without rolling your eyes, if you had just listened for five minutes, everything just kind of calms down. And people react and respond differently if we just would listen. And and that's part of that compassion. I really really want to know your story. I really want to know where you're at. And I want to know how how and why God has positioned me in your life and what what he may be wanting to tell you through me because I'm a follower who fishes but I'm a compassionate follower who fishes I want to I want to relate with you so how do we build that relational bridge well we we show compassion and love and generosity right we we empathize with people we listen well we build trust and the more we do that the farther out on that bridge you can walk because it gets stronger and stronger and stronger I want to tell you two stories I had these are these are, well, I'll, I'll tell you three because there's, there's two stories that are really a short story of, of relational bridge building. And then the other one is, is a long-term one where I put a lot of effort into it, a lot of time, a lot of diligence into it. First two, and it was this week as the whole snowstorm hit, right? We get a call at the office and maybe it's because I just wanted to get out of here and go do something. But someone said, I, I'm stranded in weed. I, I'm, I'm homeless. I'm living in my car. I, I just, I need some help. I need, I need some love. I need, I need some gas. I'm out of gas, and I, I need to have gas to keep warm. I, it is, listen, if you know me, that is not something I'm sympathetic about. I'm like, you need gas, so do I. Okay, I, I, I get it, you need gas to stay warm in your car. Why are you in Mount Shasta in the middle of Snowmageddon? Right, that's what I want to say. That's what Brandon wants to say. Like, I, I don't want to be unsympathetic here, but we're all kind of in a bind here. But I was just, I listened to this gal on the phone, and, and, Something told me, something, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit said, just, you need to go up there. Go, you need to, and it was in weed. It wasn't down here like at Shell. It was like, you need to go to weed and you need to, to, to take care of this need and have compassion. Okay, okay, God. I, I told the guy, I'll be there. I'll call you when I'm on the way and I'll, I'll go. Very, by the way, don't call me asking for gas because I don't usually go, all right? <laughs> but God, God called him. I mean, if you call, I'll come, I'll get you some gas. But I, I, I go up there to weed. Actually, Chase and I went up there and, and uh, pulled up to the gas station. We're looking for this, this car, that, uh, the description. Can't find it. I try to call her a couple times. And then she finally approaches and um, she identifies who she is. And says, okay, well, come on over here. I'll meet you at the gas pump. And I'm really in that place of, like, I should, I should be in that genuine open place of saying, okay, God wants to really do something. What do I need to say? And I'm back to that whole, okay, let's just fill it up, meet a need. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I got a little perturbed because the card wouldn't work at the pump. So I had to go inside a pilot and figure all that right. I come back out and I just, my attitude just kind of changed. I relaxed a little bit and I said, you know, let's just see where she's at. So we went over and put the card in and started pumping gas and she wanted to show me some pictures and some pictures of some, some like sunsets, right? And so she started to tell me that this is the Archangel Michael and he's covering me and I'm, I'm, listen, this, this is a real story that I'm not making any of this up. She told me that she's, she's published, she's a faith healer, that she is uh, the divine feminine Shekinah and, and on the level of Jesus and God and she is holy in her heart and pure. And I, I'm like, in my mind at first, God, what, are you, what do you have me here for? <laughs> this lady is nuts. 
And, and God's reminding me, yeah, she's nuts. She needs Jesus. And, and I, I didn't get a lot of words in edgewise, but I had some opportunity. And she went on and on and on about all of these conspiracies and underground tunnels. And I mean, it was the, it was the whole gamut of what you get in Mount Shasta, okay? <laughs> From the queen or whatever she was, the Shekinah, Shekinah. Shekinah. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm there. And I just, I just, God says, my word, it's my word. So I started sharing. I said, you know, I said, before we, before we continue, I want you to know that everything, everything I hear from people, everything we, we already talk about it, I always test it against scripture. So if I make a comment, I'm going to be coming from, from the scriptures. Is that okay? Oh yeah, that's fine. Uh, and she said that I'm the fulfillment of some peace prophecies in scripture. Oh, okay. So let's continue. And so she and I had a conversation and just, I, I had the opportunity to continue to point her back to scripture, but I kept listening to her. Right? I kept listening to her, even, even though it was way out there. I kept listening, and I saw this relational bridge develop. And that when I started to speak, although, she, although she, it might have kind of ruffled her feathers a little bit because of what I was saying, because it was Scripture, she listened. Right? And, and the final challenge was just, I said, you know, you, you talk about the Bible a lot. You talk about prayer. You talk about Jesus a lot. But I, I really just want you to encourage you to go to the Scriptures and find him. You know, we had conversations about the human heart being evil, right? And she, she thinks it's pure and holy. So I, I shared and laid out the complete gospel with her and got to, got to tell her all about Jesus, the Jesus that I know and serve and love. But it was just that opportunity I had. It wasn't a forced thing at all. It was, it was me being willing and saying, okay, I'm going to let my guard down here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not just solve a problem because the gas stopped pumping like 10 minutes earlier. And we kept going, right? I, I Old me wanted to just kind of, like two days before that old me, wanted to just to hang it up and go. But I just, I kept talking to this lady. And did she receive Christ? No, I don't, not at all. She was rejecting him. And I was telling her about that one day you have to stand. And it's not how much recycling you did. It's how, what'd you do with Jesus, right? Another story I had was, uh, was it Thursday night dinner? And, and it was an opportunity I had to continue building a relationship with a, with a gentleman who uh, kind of was displaced from, from the storm events and things and, and got to talk about things. And, and, and I, some options, he was homeless, right? And, there, and there's not a lot of options here when you're homeless. But I got to share with him the love that you and I have for one another as the body of Christ. I got to tell him how important it was for us to be the body. And I said, I, I, I understand that you're out on the street. I understand that. And I, but I want to let you know, if I was out on the street, and I, now listen, your part's coming up, so you better agree with me on this. If I was out on the street tonight, I'd have a place to sleep tonight. Amen? Because I have of you. And if you, had a, you were on the street tonight, right, and you need a place to sleep tonight, like the, you have a place to sleep tonight. Because we've developed that love, love and that compassion and that unity of Christ, and we know each other in that, in that way. I said, I, I know that it's, it's hard. I, I said, I, I'd love to put an email out. And I have. You've seen them before. Someone needs a room. Call them if you want to give them a room. And we don't know who they are. They don't get phone calls back, right? Maybe once in a while. I said, there's, there's something about the body of Christ. Well, I, my church is the mountain. And he goes into this whole routine about the mountain. And, and I, I said, that here's your options. You can go to the Wairika shelter. Or, and, and I'll give you gas to go there. Or you can go to the, the mission down in Reading. And I'll give you gas to go there. Like, I want you to be safe. I want you to be warm. I want to take care of you. But, but right now, it is no time to live homeless in Mount Shasta if you just got displaced and you aren't used to that, right? You, and, and there was a pride there that said, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm staying here. So we had a long chat about worshiping the creation versus worshiping the creator God. And it was just an open conversation, an open dialogue. And I, I started to see and I, his heart kind of soften a little bit. And at the end of the night, we're shaking hands, and, and he's saying, I, I, really, I really appreciate your time. I, I'd love to talk more about this, and I, I really want to 
I, I need to hear more of this. You know, from, from someone that I've, I've had a relationship with over, over the years in our community, uh, building that relational bridge, being able to share those truths of the gospel with someone is, is such, a, such a privilege, right? And then the long haul story is with, just with my neighbor uh, who, who lost her husband last year. I kind of shared the story ongoing, but uh, amazing, amazing little lady uh, from, from England who continues to just to work hard and she's aging, right? So we're trying to assist her and help her anyway. And you know, I, I called her yesterday just to check on her. How you doing? Because she gets her, her snow plowed from one of the guys, and I plow out the, the main road. And she says, well, I'm doing good. She's like, no, no, you know, Brandon, I'm not doing good. And I, I was like, yes, we crossed that barrier. It's not just, hey, I'm fine. How are you? Okay, see you later. It was like, no, I'm not doing good. Let me tell you. And, and I just listened to her plight, and there's a, a problem probably in her well, right? In the middle of winter, a problem in her well. So trying to get her water and trying to help her out however we can. And, and she's, a, she's a kind of a prepper, so she has it taken care of. But, but just listening to her and loving her and saying, listen, I'm here. I'll check in tomorrow. Please call if you need something. We're, we're right here. You know, it's one of those things that's the long haul. Over, over the last five years of being her neighbor, she's to the point where she doesn't have to like, have a facade with me now. She's more open to conversation. So I, I just love those opportunities. And you and I are to have those opportunities as well. I don't have it all together, folks, right? And, and neither do you. But we are followers of Christ and followers are called to fish. We're called to be obedient. We're called to be, be obedient and respond to what Jesus wants us to do. And it's not just meeting a problem, it's, it's meeting a person and looking for a person, building a relational bridge with them. Followers fish. Followers show authentic compassion. And, and finally, this is the last one. Turn to Acts with me, chapter 4. Uh, followers pray for boldness. We pray because we, <laughs> we need boldness from Jesus. It's, it's not enough on our own. Followers pray for boldness. We're going to be in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 23. Little little background, Peter and John have been arrested for sharing about Jesus. They said, sorry, we can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. And, uh, and then they go back to the believers because the believers are waiting to, to receive them back. Say, what, what happened? What happened in, in front of the, the rulers and teachers of the law? What's going on? In verse 23, it says, in chapter 4, it says, after they were released... They went to their own people. Now, they had been, by the way, commanded. They'd been released, but they'd been commanded to not teach, preach, talk about the name of Jesus anymore. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So not, not only do they know what the chief priests say, now their whole church knows, okay, that they, we aren't to talk about Jesus. When they heard this, what did they do? They all raised their voices to God and said, Master, you are the one who made, he- made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You said through your Holy Spirit, by the mouth of your father David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place, to, to do what your, your hand had predestined. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your slaves may speak your message with complete boldness. Amen, right? I, I want to stop right there. I want us to think about this. There's, 
There's a reaction. There's a response. There's, there's a foe. His name is Satan out there who wants nothing to do with Jesus. He wants people to not hear about Jesus. He wants us to, to be swayed from sharing about Jesus. So he'll do whatever he can to make us seem like there's actual risk involved. And maybe sometimes there actually is risk. Risk of separating yourself from a friend or neighbor. Alienating yourself from family members. Risk of sounding stupid, right? But ultimately, God says, take that risk. And these, these believers, these followers who were threatened, when they prayed, they didn't say, oh, Lord, change their hearts that we might be able to do this again someday. They said, Lord, consider their threats and help us be bold. Because we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Amen? And that's what Peter and John said to them. That's, Judge for yourselves, whatever you want. But we, we can't help but speak about what we've seen and what we have heard. The sovereign God is at work in and amongst us and our community. And He wants you and I to have the opportunity to be a player along with Him. He wants you and I to be able to stand alongside somebody in the gap and take the risk because it's not too risky. People get rescued from their sins because we tell them about what we have seen and heard. And God begins to melt their heart. We tell them about the risen Christ who has victory over Satan and sin and death. And it takes a boldness, knowing that there are risks, to go and share that message of Christ. It doesn't take a perfect Christian. It takes a willing follower to stand up and say, I will share what I have seen and what I have heard. You and I, by the way, all have a wonderful story to tell. You may think that your story is not very effective. I would disagree. You may not be the biker, hell's angel guy that got saved from the pit of drug addiction in prison. And you have all kinds of tattoos to show for it. You might be the soccer mom who trusted Jesus and you're good to go. But all of us have one thing in common. Followers of Christ once were dead and now are alive. Amen. And that is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Some of these folks I was talking to this week and, and have had conversations with several times in the past also, uh, the, the hope they want to cling to is the hope, the hope of a, a better leader for president, right? Oh my goodness, the world's going to come to an end. Well, it says that in the Bible. We know that's happening. But Jesus, Jesus wins still, right? Amen? The hope we have is not in a president. It's not in a, a community leader. The hope we, we have is not in, in if we're the better stewards of the planet, we'll survive longer. The hope that you and I have is in Jesus Christ. And that is the hope that everyone else needs too. Amen? So will you risk and be bold? Will you stand up and speak? God's placing you. God's placing me in divine opportunities, positioning us to do that. Let, let His appointment happen because He's the one that's going to be at work there. Followers fish. Let's go fishing. Would you stand with me and pray? Father, it's a pleasure to, to be here, to hear from your word today, 
to worship you and to sing praise to you, to give to you as well and give back. God, we are all about and want to be all about your glory, about advancing your kingdom, about advancing the hope of Jesus Christ to this planet that needs it desperately. But God, as, as we think globally, it, it's, it's almost overwhelming. So God, I pray that you would help me and you would help us to be better followers right here, right now. That we would take a stand and, and, and just follow you and obey and we would go fishing. We may not have it all together and, and God, as we go, those things will be worked out. But God, help us trust you in faith that the people that you're bringing into contact with us, you are, you are positioning, us, positioning us divinely in their lives for such a time as this that they would know Jesus Christ or at least hear of him. We thank you for those opportunities you give. May our lives be a reflection of obedience as we follow Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Hey, let's close the service today in, in worship. Let's close and worship in the song, and, uh, and then we'll pray and go shovel some more snow. Dane.